0: Welcome to the new WellMed Radio, a service of WellMed medical management. Over the next half hour, WellMed Radio will educate you about the health and wellness of adults everywhere. Co-hosts Dr. Joshua Beck and veteran broadcaster and attorney Ron Aaron will share information to improve your health and well-being. Here are Ron Aaron and Dr. Joshua Beck. Well, thank you very much and welcome to WellMed Radio. I'm Ron Aaron. Along with our co-host, Dr. Joshua Beck, he joined us uh, a couple weeks ago. New to the show, delighted to have you, and takes over, for those of you who are just joining us, for Cora Juke, who's gone on to bigger and better things with Optum, where she is now a uh, management kind of person and doesn't have time to continue doing uh, WellMed Radio. But we are delighted to have Dr. Beck here. He's in family practice, and you find him at the WellMed Clinic on Loop 410 in Centerview. Joshua, good to see you. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. We don't have to tell people it's summertime, because it is. Correct. And it Mm -hmm. is hot. It is
1: very hot, especially in uh, South Texas.
0: And how does that affect us? Because a
1: lot of folks, uh, you know, aren't really aware of the dangers of heat. Yeah, I would say that, uh, you know, especially when you're outdoors for a prolonged period of times, you know, or prolonged periods of time, it's very, very important uh, to uh, to be aware of the heat and uh, stay hydrated as, uh, you know, especially with activities where you're uh, sweating and, uh, you know, using your muscles and, uh, uh, you know, doing things for prolonged periods of time. It's very important to be aware of the heat, uh, especially now when we're getting, you know, temperatures in the, uh, you know, upper 90s, uh, you know, sometimes over 100 with the heat index, 100 degrees Fahrenheit. I am always amazed when you drive through town, uh, whether it's here or
0: Corpus Christi or, or Laredo or Austin, and you see guys working on roofs in the hottest days of the year. How in the world do they manage that?
1: Well, you, you, you would think that they would be doing it uh, early in the morning or uh, maybe uh, late afternoon. But yeah, you see them throughout the entire day. So, um, you know, I think the, the biggest key there is just staying hydrated and taking breaks as often as you need especially if you start feeling dizzy or lightheaded. Uh, but no, I have no idea how they do that. You know, that must be a superpower that they have. Do our bodies acclimate? Do we become adjusted to that? I think I think everybody, and, you know, it really depends on how uh, healthy you are, how fit you are. Uh, certainly, if you're somebody that, that is uh, pretty healthy, then, you know, your body will adapt to a certain extent. Uh, You know, raise the blood pressure, and uh, you'll sweat to kind of relieve that excess heat. You know, so that your body temperature, your core temperature, doesn't go up too high. But I think uh, uh, you know the the most important thing that you can do, being healthy or not is um, uh, minimizing how long your your prolonged uh, sun exposure is and uh, staying hydrated, you know, and then taking frequent breaks is very, very important. And so it is amazing that they're able to do that, you know, and people that work outdoors are able to stay outdoors and, uh, you know, do what they do. You know, it really is amazing. Now, you mentioned hydrate. How important is water? I think it's very, very important, especially when you start sweating, you know, and you're outdoors for prolonged periods of time, 30 minutes, an hour, uh, you know playing sports or you're doing work like you know build, putting you know putting a, a new roof on. Um, I, th- I think it's very very important to uh, uh, you know give yourself the water that you're sweating out you know you're sweating out um, this you know salty water right the sweat and so it's very very important to rehydrate so that your body is able to take that water and and and, and work with it and uh, and allow the body to function, you know, like it should. Now, someone once told me,
0: and mm-hmm. I qualify as an older person, mm-hmm. uh, that older people don't sweat as much yeah. as younger people.
1: Yeah, I, 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 w- I would say that it depends. It's very subjective, you know, so it depends, you know, a lot of times uh, as to what uh, medical problems you have, what medications you're on. Certainly there are certain medications that have uh, anticholinergic or drying properties that will help, uh, uh, you know, or I, I shouldn't say help. I, I, it will cause you to not sweat as much because you're retaining fluid. Uh, but it, it, it really depends, you know. So so maybe you're just lucky, I guess I will, I'll say that. <laughs> well, if you're not sweating and you're yeah. out in the heat, then, then you're, is that not a warning sign? I think so. Your core temperature will rise. And if your body is not able to, to uh, perspirate and you're not able to get rid of that excess heat, through sweat, uh, then uh, you probably ought to minimize your outdoor activities. Now, years ago, I used to run the Animal Defense League and learned
0: very early on Mm -hmm. uh, that dogs and cats don't sweat through their bodies. Mm -hmm. They may sweat by panting Mm -hmm. and in some cases through their paws, Mm -hmm. uh, but that doesn't help them lose as much water to keep their core temperature down as it does for a human who sweats.
1: Exactly. Yeah, I I, I would say I'm not not really sure about a cat, but yes, the dog will do it through his tongue. And so that's why, you know, after a, a, a hard run, you know, outdoor in the heat, they are they have their tongue out, you know, and then they're, you know, real thirsty. And, and that's another way that they uh, cool their body temperature. But for us, uh, shade is very, very important when you're outdoors and uh, hydration and frequent breaks. And, and, and really, I would say trying to minimize um, outdoor activities in the peak heat. You I know. want to talk
0: a bit about uh, what are some of the issues you can run into if you overheat? For those of you who may have just joined us, I want to remind you you're listening to WellMed Radio. I'm Ron Aaron, along with our co-host, Doctor Joshua Beck, and we're delighted to have you with us, Doctor Beck. Uh, it's it's not just overheating. There are problems that can come with that.
1: There are problems that can come with that, and so there's different kinds of uh, you know over over overheating. I guess you you know you would say uh, so. There's heat stress. And then there's uh, uh, heat exhaustion. Uh, and then there's uh, another kind of, uh, another level above heat exhaustion. Uh, and I'm forgetting the name right right now, but death. Uh, well, you know, that, that would be the, the end point, I guess you would say. But that, you know, the, the more severe kind is where you actually have bodily damage, where you, you start to um, cause muscle injury uh, and inflammation, uh, and you may develop something called rhabdomyolysis. Which is uh, an inflammatory problem of the muscle due to stress on the muscle due to a lack of either, in this case, hydration or uh, proper oxygenation. Now, is that um, what happens when you have heat stroke? Uh, that it, and so that's that's the word I was looking for: heat stroke. So heat exhaustion and, and heat stroke. So heat exhaustion is the lesser of the two evils, and then heat stroke is the more severe kind, where you can develop renal abnormalities, renal failure, that's your kidney, and that would be your kidney, and you can develop heart problems. You know, you can develop heart failure uh and uh and uh, other complications you can you be, you become confused and disoriented and uh you know have run the risk of passing out and falling and hitting your head and if you're on blood thinners for other conditions or aspirin you know because you've had a, a heart attack in the past then that just increases you know exponentially your risk of problems and so the heat heat exhaustion it's a step before that, before you develop those problems. And so when you start feeling lightheaded and dizzy and weak, that really should be your clue to go indoors and, and rest and, and stay hydrated. Pay attention to your body. Yes. And uh, if you don't and you get to the point where you may be suffering heat stroke, What's the treatment? So the treatment is uh, rehydration and uh, rapid cooling to an extent. So donkey it, and ice. Uh, yeah, you know the the uh, ice ice water uh, bucket challenge. You know would be pretty effective. Yeah, I remember best. that. No, I'm right. Just kidding. <laughs> now uh, usually that uh, requires a, a, a little trip to the uh, emergency room and and uh, you know especially you know for these people that run marathons would be a good example and they get uh, heat stroke. They usually go to the ER and they'll you know put them in an ice bath. You know, and Literally. it actually feels great because your core temperature is so high that it actually appears as though you're you you, you know you are actually running a fever, uh, but not because you have an illness uh, due to an infection, but rather because of the heat. And so you have to cool that body down with uh, you know a, a bathtub full of ice or and cool uh, blankets, and then you know sometimes they'll use a fan with a mister, and uh, and, and and that's the way to help reverse reverse that. To an extent.
0: For those who are receiving that kind of treatment, uh, how high can your body temperature
1: go uh, before it's all over? Uh, I I don't know that I have that uh, exact uh, temperature for you, but, you know, uh, there are criteria for both heat exhaustion and heat stroke. uh, And so it's not uncommon for somebody that has heat stroke, for example, to have core body temperatures above 104 degrees Fahrenheit. Wow. Maybe higher than that. Um, and, uh, and so that's part of the criteria to distinguish between two, uh, uh, but, uh, I'm sure it can get pretty high, you know, it just depends on every person and what medications they're taking, you know, uh, obviously, you know, uh, the older you are, probably the less high your temperature will get, uh, you know, just because of your, uh, body mechanics and physiology at your age. Um, so is that good or bad? Uh, Well, that's bad because it may be misleading to the physician, you know, and and maybe you wouldn't meet the so-called criteria for a certain condition. And so that's why you have to rely on physical exam and appearance, appearance examining the patient. Are they confused? Are they not? And then uh, also if you're at the ER, then you would get labs to look at, you know, your renal function, your blood levels, you know, look for signs of inflammation through labs. Uh, And of course, you know, obviously, you know, as I had mentioned, just the exam. Now for those who are younger mm-hmm. 18 19 20 uh, the same risks same risk for everybody yeah same risk for everybody and probably I would say that that the uh, that the really young and 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 then also the elderly are probably more at risk uh, just because of their body mechanics and physiology uh, and uh, are not as apt uh, to adapt you know to the uh, change in temperature for prolonged periods of time so be aware be aware, be very aware, stay hydrated, minimize exposure outdoors, try to get to shade if you can and and then I would try to avoid you know uh, strenuous activity uh, or uh, exercise uh, during the peak you know high high temperature hours of the day. Now we haven't talked yet about sunscreen sunblock,
0: mm-hmm. uh, but uh, a physician I know was telling me uh, so many seniors are low on vitamin D. Mm -hmm. Part of the reason is we've used sunblock for so many years, we didn't get enough sun exposure.
1: Yeah, you know, I think that's part of it, and I think part of it, you know, and I'll be honest, the majority of my patients, you know, including, and I have to uh, admit myself, I'm low in vitamin D. And so it's not only, uh, you know, plenty of us get plenty of sun exposure through walking outdoors. They say that 15 minutes of being out in the sun gives you about a a month worth of vitamin D. Uh, but I think part of it is metabolism and your body being able to absorb vitamin D from the foods that you eat. Um, and, and so really a lot of people are, are, are deficient in vitamin D. Uh, and so they actually say that, uh, you know, supplementation is good, especially if it's very, very low. But you don't have to use these mega doses of vitamin D because it's, it takes such a long time or it takes such a large amount to get that vitamin D back to, to the level that it needs to be. Uh, that as long as you're, you're eating a well-balanced diet, maybe you know if your doctor recommends a multivitamin and uh, and you're getting at least some sun exposure, you probably have enough vitamin D even if your levels are low.
0: Now we're going to talk next week on WellMed Radio about supplements and interactions with other drugs. So we'll pick up again on vitamin D next week on yeah. WellMed Radio. But Dr. Beck, uh, we're going to take a, a little break for just a minute and come right back to you. I want to talk about uh, the kind of damage to your skin that can come. From exposure to the sun, I'll give you a chance to think about that for just a minute. This is almost like your family practice exam for renewal of your license. So stay with us. Just a minute. We continue the test right here. Thank you, Ron. On Wellman Radio, Ron Aaron, along with Dr. Joshua Beck. Hey, we're glad you're here. Caregiving is incredibly difficult and challenging for thousands of people caring for someone they love. It's a job that is demanding and often feels as if it's never-ending. Caregivers feel alone and lonely. That's where Caregiver SOS On Air comes to the rescue. This half-hour weekly program features nationally known gerontologist Carol Zerniel and attorney and veteran broadcaster Ron Aaron. Ooh, that's me. And remember... SOS On Air, Saturdays at 7.30 a.m. on 9.30 a.m. The Answer, and Sundays at 12.30 p.m. on Freedom, 1160 KRDY. We are so pleased you are with us here on WellMed Radio, the all-new WellMed Radio, coming to you Saturdays and Sundays now. On your friendly local radio stations, I'm Ron Aaron, along with our co-host, Dr. Joshua Beck. He is a well-med practitioner, a family doc who has decided that radio may be his next career if things don't work out on the medical side.
1: Yeah, may, yeah, maybe so, right? Maybe they're going to push me, in and we'll have our full time, uh, full time show, right? Yeah, the new Howard <laughs> Stern. I'm not going to hold my breath, though. No, I wouldn't. I've got many patients relying on me, so.
0: <laughs> so you enjoy what you yeah. do on the patient side.
1: I do, I do. I enjoy, I enjoy what I do, and and, and I enjoy this as well. You know, I think it's nice to give a uh, little information to our listeners, and to have them, uh, you know, be be informed on topics that uh, you know that relate to to everybody, everybody, really. Now we were talking about. Heat exposure, South Texas this time of year, and almost anywhere in
0: the country. Mm-hmm. Now we're seeing record high temperatures. One of the things that folks may not be aware of is the damage that uh, sunburns can cause, both short term and long
1: term. Yes, I, I think that uh, you know sunburns in general, and, and it's very well documented that uh, you know a lifetime uh, risk, you know, a repeated sun uh, sunburns, especially if they're really severe, increases your risk of skin cancer. Especially in, in the more uh, fair-complected individuals, and those that have a family history of skin cancer, and, uh, and, and it's incremental. You know, the more sunburns you had growing up, uh, the higher your risk is as you as you get older to developing uh, skin cancer. So it's it's very important to minimize um, you know your sun exposure, and it's very important to wear sunblock, um, and uh, uh, you know, and uh, you know if you need to, long sleeve shirts. Uh, and 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 then may, maybe minimize you know outdoor activities during the peak hours when the sun is really hot. I never used to wear a hat. I do now. My uh, dermatologist, uh,
0: Dr. Ana Sasseta said, "You got to wear a hat."
1: Yeah, and I see that. And with, I have less hair than you do. You do, and yeah, so that would be your big clue to wear a hat. You know, especially because you don't have that full set, you know, full thickness set of hair right. that's preventing you from getting uh, the sun rays to the scalp. But yes. I, I think that in, in, in a lot, another place that people don't think about too are the earlobes. Uh, you know, I see patients that have had uh, you know, basal cell carcinomas, which, which are a, a type of skin cancer. I had one. And uh, squamous cell carcinoma is another common type of skin cancer, uh, Not quite as, uh, as dangerous. I mean, they're still dangerous, but they're not quite as dangerous as a melanoma, for example, which is the real bad one. Uh, but sometimes you'll get those on your ear. You know, and so I think sunblock on the earlobes is very, very important. Uh, And so that should be uh, somewhere that it's applied. Uh, You should apply sunblock everywhere, really. And another place that people don't really think about is their feet. You can get skin cancer anywhere you have skin. So, uh, you know, and you can even get skin skin cancer under your uh, nail bed. Really? There's a type of uh, skin cancer that, that uh, it's not, not quite as common. But it's just important to know that you should really lather up everywhere you have skin.
0: Now, yeah. when you do a full exam on a, on a patient mm-hmm. uh, annual,
1: do you check their skin? Um, so the guidelines for family practice physicians say that, uh, that uh, you know, it's kind of optional uh, as, as to whether or not we would do a full skin exam on a patient And so I usually will ask the patients that I see whether or not they have new changes to their skin or whether they have uh, moles that have newly popped out or those that they've had that have grown in size, changed in color, changed in diameter, and if they have uh, to let me know and then I'll look at them. Uh, We're really looking for those ugly duckling moles and so this would be good for the listeners to know if you have a mole that maybe is uh, you know, irregular, it's not round, it's got an irregular shape, it's growing in size, maybe there's different shades of brown or different colors of uh, pigment, uh, then that might be one that you might want to get your doctor th- to look at because it may be suspicious for um, a cancer or maybe a uh, Close to being something that could be cancerous. So.
0: now the melanoma is the
1: worst, right? So the melanoma is none the, are good, but melanoma is yeah, the worst. That one's the worst. So that one's the one. You know, all of them are. You know, we're not good to have, obviously. Uh, but the melanoma is the one that that uh, can lead to uh, yeah, metastasis, uh, and which it, means uh, spread cancer spread throughout the body, and so it's very very important that if you do have a suspicious mole or if you have a new mole that looks irregular compared to, you know, other moles that you have, or you don't have moles and now you have one that looks kind of irregular to get your doctor to look at it. And if need be, you know, your doctor may be able to get uh, a biopsy of it, something called a punch biopsy, or sometimes we can actually excise the mole uh, dep- so cut it depending on how it looks or sometimes, you know, it may require a referral to a dermatologist and the dermatologist will, you know, might do the same. So
0: it's interesting. I, I was referred to, by my well-med physician to, mm-hmm. as I mentioned earlier, a dermatologist, Dr. Ana Sasseda, and I, mm-hmm. I see her every six months or so. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I went in one day and I said, you know, I, I've got this little bump in the mm-hmm. crease of my nose on my face, mm-hmm. uh, right above my lip, and, mm-hmm. you know, I just pick at it, pick at it, mm-hmm. pick at it. And she looked at it and she said, I'll bet it's basal cell carcinoma. Yep. I mean, instantly she knew, took a biopsy, it was, uh, and it was removed, and, you know, knock wood, it's gone, yeah, uh, but, uh, to me, it didn't look like anything.
1: Yeah. And so I think that that's one of the things that I always ask my patients, especially when they, when they share information like that, um, oftentimes, you know, you'll have something that doesn't look like it's uh, a mole, you know, like a basal cell, for example, may look like a, uh, or a squamous cell. It may look, uh, like a, uh, pimple, so to speak. That's what I thought or, it was. Or it may look like a little ulcer. And, uh, and, and, and what really triggers me and, and probably triggers many of the docs at WellMed is, uh, you know, the fact that, you know, you have a patient that will tell you it goes and comes and goes and comes um, uh, or, you know, it's uh, never completely healed and, uh, you know, they pick at the scab and then the scab falls off and then, you know, sometime later, you know, it pops back out again and it's been that way for a while and so that's very atypical for something that would be just like an insect bite or a pimple, you know, an adult acne. And, and so that's very, very important to mention that to your doctor, you know, for our listeners, um, and, uh, you know, bring that up because that could be a skin cancer. And in your case, you know, that was. And so that, that is something that clues me into thinking of a basal cell. And so when you've seen many of them um, or, or several, you know, that right. kind of, you know, you, you kind of have the idea of knowing what it might be.
0: He's Dr. Joshua Beck. I'm Ron Aaron. You're listening to WellMent Radio. And we're delighted to have you here as we talk about issues of heat and that spread to issues of skin. Uh, and I'm always reminded that skin is the largest organ in our body. Most people, me included, don't think of skin as an organ.
1: Well, you know, uh, I think you're absolutely correct. Uh, and so, uh, yes, it is the largest organ. And, and so it is an organ because it serves many, many uh, purposes. You know, it uh, protects the organs inside. It protects, you know, all the you know, the muscle and the tissue. It helps uh, circulate the blood helps keep us hydrated. We perspirate through the skin. Um, and uh, and, and it, it also allows for manifestations of various diseases, uh, you know, that you will pick up by looking at somebody's skin. And so it's, it's, a, it's a vital part. And we, we would all look a little interesting if we didn't have, you know, skin that we didn't when have. When I was skin. a kid
0: growing up in uh, Cleveland, Ohio, uh, spring would sometimes come April, May, and I would run to the backyard, cover myself with Vaseline... Hold an aluminum reflector, so I was sure I got enough sun.
1: Interesting. Yeah. And now
0: at age 77, I had and you're basal just, cell carcinoma. I was
1: going to say, but you're probably not deficient in vitamin D, are you? I got a <laughs> heck of a lot of vitamin D. I would that's imagine right. so. <laughs> what well, does it store and carry on? Do you? Uh, yes, you store it like you would other vitamins. You know, I got a lot of vitamin D. So right? you become deficient in it. Well, you're lucky because the majority of people, you know, and you would especially in Texas where we get a lot of sun, are deficient in vitamin D. And so a lot of it has to do with metabolism rather than just you know, sun exposure. Why is vitamin D important? Uh, well, vitamin D actually serves many purposes. The majority of people will probably know, uh, or, or, you know or may think of vitamin D in bones you know, and help you know, keep your bones strong. And, of course, you know, those patients that have osteoporosis or osteopenia, which is a little less than osteoporosis, weakened bone, Hmm. Uh, tend to be deficient in vitamin D or, or, you know, maybe they're not, but, you know, their physician will tell them to supplement with vitamin D and calcium to keep those bones strong. But it's actually been shown that vitamin D has antioxidant properties. Uh, it can also help, uh, fight, uh, depression. You know, you're more susceptible to being depressed if you're deficient in vitamin D and you have a propensity towards depression. Um, and, and there is actually some evidence you know in some articles that i 've read that it actually helps with uh dementia too uh in the sense that if you're uh, uh if you have enough vitamin D then you 're less likely to get dementia to a certain degree than if you 're deficient in it, then you would be more likely now hearing that yeah. i 'm always tempted to say, well, then I need to go take more vitamin D yeah, and so you know it 's really inter- interesting because the the studies that i 've read you know they're they 're kind of contradictory, but there was an article in the American Academy of Family Practice. Uh, with, which was an evidence-based, like, uh, not a choosing wisely, but like a little peril. And they always say that, you know, as long as you're eating a well-balanced diet, even though the labs may suggest that you're low in vitamin D, unless you're dramatically low, then you should supplement. But if you're just a little low, then I think as long as you're eating a well-balanced diet and getting, uh, you know, just that small amount of sun exposure, just, you know, going to work or, you know, walking into a store – uh, then you're probably going to be okay. You probably don't need to supplement with some huge doses of vitamin D. But sh- certainly the people that have really low vitamin D should take some vitamin D or if they have osteoporosis or other conditions which require them to supplement with vitamin D.
0: Got about a minute left, and let's go back to wrapping up on heat stroke, heat exhaustion. What should people do, and do you know it if you have it?
1: Yeah, I would say uh, know, know the warning signs, know the watch out for uh, you know, feeling extremely hot, uh, weak, lightheaded—you uh, know—muscle spasms may be another symptom you have. Certainly, if you have other conditions, cardiovascular conditions, you may develop some—you know—chest discomfort or shortness of breath. Or if you have asthma, you may—you you, know—you you may wheeze or start coughing. And so, just know the lookout for that and and, and be prepared. Stay hydrated, minimize sun exposure, and uh, of course, like we like we just talked about, wear some sunblock if you're going to be outdoors for a long period of time.
0: And if you've had a serious sunburn, how do you get that treated?
1: Well, you know, a lot of it goes away with time by itself. But, you you know, they have aloe vera uh, preparation, you know, style lotions, you know, which may have some other, you know, ingredients in them that may help kind of soothe the skin uh, and cool the skin. But really, it's more about prevention, you know, rather than treating. And obviously, if it's a really bad burn and you want to go in to see your doctor and there may be some prescribed medications that can be given. Uh, but otherwise, you know, just soothing lotion, you know, uh, keeping that skin hydrated and then staying hydrated, drinking plenty of water is really what you need to do and, and then avoiding, you know, re-injury by, by going back out in the sun with the sunburn. Appreciate it. Dr.
0: Joshua Beck, I'm Ron Aaron. Next week, we talk about supplements and drug interactions with the supplements you may be taking. Thank you for joining us on WellMed Radio, and we will talk with you again soon. Thank you for listening to WellMed Radio a service of WellMed Medical Management. We welcome your emails with suggestions and comments on this program at radio at wellmed.net. And please be sure to tune in next week for another edition of WellMed Radio.